This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. The baseball playoffs have arrived and we're not in it. So welcome to your annual Rico Bronia playoff viewing, playoff viewing guide. We are going to be your guide to watching the Major League Baseball postseason despite the New York Mets not being involved. We will break this into two parts. One part will be about the players that are involved and if we have any hatred or love to any of those guys. And then the second part will be the teams. You know, there are some teams that are obvious that we don't like, such as division rivals, such as almost every team in the National League. The American League is a little bit more subjective. It's almost your taste as a baseball fan. And then the selfish interest. Is there anything that can happen with a team being eliminated or a team going on a run that somehow can benefit the New York Mets? That's our approach. We'll read some of your emails that were sent in concerning your viewing guide to the postseason, who you're rooting for, who you hate at the RicoB at gmail.com. It's funny. We did this a year ago, but we did it a year ago after the Mets had gotten you know, eliminated by the San Diego Padres. So at that point, we were down to your customary eight teams, the four left in the NL, the four left in the AL with the divisional series. We are doing this towards the beginning of this postseason, which includes the wild card series. I will tell you this about the wild card series, because this is our first year of it really being wild. And what I mean by that is I think Major League Baseball has envisioned the wild card series being like craziness in the middle of the week. Oh my God, there's baseball all day on a Tuesday. Oh my God, there's baseball all day on a Wednesday. We didn't have that a year ago because remember a year ago because of the lockout and the delay and pushing the season back a few days, the wild card series was actually on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday, which now has you competing with college football and the NFL. This is the first year, 2023, of the true intention of the wild card series. I will tell you off the top, while I didn't want the expansion of the postseason and I do like baseball all day it's kind of fun it's kind of wacky there's something missing and I don't mean the Mets obviously they're missing it's not the same it's not the divisional series it's not the LCS like you feel further away from the championship and that's the beauty of baseball like when you're in the postseason and you're in the divisional series and I grew up with the divisional series I was 12 years old upon its addition from the old you win a division you go right to the LCS I don't know. It just felt like you were close. You're a series away from the league championship series. And now by adding this extra layer and it being best of three, while I'm into it, while I'm watching it, I don't know. It's like every round you add, it becomes a little bit less and less. 
Every round you add starts to make it not quite as important as it used to be. Do you agree with that sense, by the way, Peter? Is that just me? Um, it's different this time around because I guess um, the Mets aren't into it. So I, in it, so I guess I'm trying to get an, a feel for it. It's a different feel than last year. And again, like you said, it's on the weekend, so it's it it is odd having baseball week. But again, I kind of like it. Like football to me. I love the first weekend of, of the playoffs in football because it is exciting. It is that like football nonstop. So I guess, guess it's during the work, the work week. It's a little bit difficult, but I, I don't, I actually don't mind it. I love baseball by, that much. By the way, just to pick up on last year with the Mets being in it, even though I was living and dying on every game, and I think most of us were, the crowds weren't. Like, the atmosphere at City Field was off last year. And you could argue, well, it's the way they stumbled into the postseason, and maybe that was it. Or maybe it was the fact that you just added another layer to the playoffs. They were empty seats for postseason games last year at City Field, which is something I've never seen before. Sure, we're used to empty seats at Tropicana Field. That's like a tradition every time the Rays make the playoffs. But even last year, coming off a 101-win season, it was a little odd that City Field didn't have that same electric that you would spe- expect for making the postseason. So who knows? Maybe it had something to do with that extra round. No, I, I agree with that part because that's 100%. Like in football, you're going to go to a game. It's one game. You're going to invest that one the money into one game. I think people thought they were going to steamroll San Diego last year. So we'll, we'll go to the next round. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's steamrolling. I think it's, I'm going to save my money. It's, it's expensive to go to this round. I'll pay for the LCS. I'll pay for the divisional series. Not because you believe you're going to get there, but because you believe, hey, if I have to spend money, I'd rather spend it on that. And, I, and I'm the schmucko who spent top dollar to sit uh, up on, in, in the upper tier, the, 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 the freaking highest rows of nosebleeds. And I spent top dollar on those. Meanwhile, the day of, if I'm correct, I remember people saying, dude, the tickets are fucking so cheap. Excuse my language, yeah. but they were so cheap. And I was like, get the hell oh. out of here. Oh, dude, it was crazy. Like, I, I even got arrogant last year because I look at the Mets making the playoffs and say, not that it's a business opportunity, but maybe I can make some of my money back. Because being a Mets season ticket holder is bad business. Like, you don't get into being a Mets season ticket holder to make money. You do it because you love the team. You do it because you want the tickets. And what you try to do is just cut your losses down. So when the Mets are in the postseason, I bought an extra strip, not because I'm just trying to make money, but because I'm trying to pay off all the money I lost during the regular season. And what happened? I lost more money in the postseason because I I couldn't even get my money back for those postseason tickets. Yeah. (laughs) Now, quick question off the top of your head. I went through each team in the postseason. We obviously have, what do we have to, 12 teams in the playoffs? Yeah. We have 12 teams in the Major League Baseball postseason. Which of the 12 teams features the most former New York Mets? Um, Off the bat, quick guess, I want to say the... I f- well, they're spread out all over the place. It's not the Diamondbacks. It's the... Quick guess, you're taking an hour and a half. I, I know. I'm overthinking. <laughs> the Phillies. I'm going to say the Phillies. <laughs> you go with the Philadelphia Phillies. That's incorrect. It's a fine guess, though. Every team in the postseason 
features at least a former Met with the exception of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and also the Minnesota Twins, but I don't know. I kind of want to include Carlos Correa. <laughs> I almost want to put him on the list. Nah, the team with the most, most former Mets, even if they're not the most impactful, actually the Atlanta Braves, believe it or not. The Atlanta Braves, and I haven't seen what their final postseason roster is going to be. Obviously, you could change it for each round. The divisional series is not starting for a little bit of time. But the Braves feature four former Mets, three of which are forgettable, one of which was pretty impactful. The forgettable ones are Colin McHugh, Kevin Pillar, Brad Hand, and the memorable one, Travis Darno. I have no, and we'll get to the teams in a bit, but as far as these players are concerned, obviously, I don't give a rat's ass about Brad Hand, Colin McHugh, and Kevin Pillar. When I see them play, when I see Hand and McHugh pitch, I don't think, oh my God, we have to bomb the former Met. Travis Darno, though, is a different story. And it's nothing personal with Travis. Travis ain't a bad guy. Travis was an important part of the team that won the pennant in 2015. But seeing Travis Darno go from an 085 batting average, they have to DFA him into a guy that bounced between Tampa and LA. And then of all places, he becomes a borderline star with the Braves is, how do I describe it? It's puke-worthy. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't think any of us like it. It's nothing personal. It's strictly business. I think if Darno had blossomed in Tampa Bay or blossomed in Anaheim or Minnesota, whatever, who cares franchise you want to come up with, it'd be annoying, but it wouldn't be puke-worthy. Having it happen with the Atlanta Braves is puke-worthy. So besides the fact that we can't stand the Braves, Travis Darno is a guy I don't want to see succeed. I do not. Now. You mentioned the Phillies. The Phillies have two former Mets, and they both are ones that are certainly memorable. Taiwan Walker, who obviously recently signed there, and Zach Wheeler. The Zach Wheeler thing, I get very mixed about. I have zero ill will towards Zach Wheeler. Like, how can I be mad at Zach Wheeler? The Mets were run by the Wilpons. And if Steve Cohen had bought the team one year earlier, Zach Wheeler probably is re-signed and is a stalwart in the Met rotation. Instead, they let the guy go. They never made a serious bid on him. And he ends up down effing I-95 with the Philadelphia Phillies. And to me, Zach Wheeler is one of the most reliable starters in baseball. And my hatred for the Phillies is more so than my, I don't want to see Zach Wheeler succeed. Because I think, Pete, there's a small part of me that every time he succeeds, just reinforces how awful the Wilpons were. And it's not like hate towards Zach more than it is just hate towards the Phillies. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And that's a lot of players that we're going to hit on overall. There's some guys that played really well for the Mets, and it just was unfortunate it didn't work out here. And I don't have ill will towards them. I kind of want to root for them, but the team that they're on sucks. So it's it's kind of it's kind of like a toss up. It's it's a very difficult list. I had a very difficult time going through all of this as far as where I should root. Oh yeah, and look, the team thing is a little bit different, but the player thing, like the individuals, some of these guys are complicated. Uh, like for example, there's one guy, one former Met on the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I will tell anybody listening: if we miss the guy or two, certainly let us know. I am not perfect. It's not like you can Google it. And it's just going to pop up in front of you. Maybe you can. 
<laughs> at least at least when I tried, it didn't work. So I went roster by roster. Uh, some of it off memory, some of it off baseball reference. So if we missed the guy, let us know, therecob at gmail.com. L.A. Dodgers have one former Met. And it's no longer Justin Turner because he left and he was a Red Sox this year. And God knows they didn't make the playoffs. That former Met is Ahmed Rosario. And again, Ahmed Rosario is very non-offensive to me. Because I think when I look back at the Lindor trade, and obviously the book on Rosario in Cleveland is gone because they traded him to L.A. at the trade deadline for Noah Syndergaard, who you can forget about. He doesn't exist anymore. Ahmed Rosario, I think, proved very early on in his career that he was what he was. Like, there was no blossoming for Ahmed Rosario. He's a serviceable Major League Baseball player. He'll hit about eight or nine home runs a year. He'll hit 260, 270. He won't draw any walks. He'll have a measly OPS. He has turned himself into a more versatile player because he's played the outfield and he's played second base. But I don't even look at Rosario as a guy I got to root against because, God forbid, that trade, the Lindor trade, is bad. Like, he's just, I think Ahmed Rosario, and a lot of guys on this list are like that, he's just a former Met. He's just a former Met bouncing around the league. By the way, real quick on Taiwan Walker, I have no ill will towards him either. Any rooting against Taiwan Walker is just a rooting against the Philadelphia Phillies. It has nothing to do with him. So Rosario, kind of indifferent. The Brewers have one former Met. That's Marcana, who obviously was acquired at the trade deadline. Same thing. Like, I got good feelings towards Marcana. Marcana was what he was. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't come here and underperform. He didn't come here and overperform. He seemed like a good dude in the locker room. Mark Canna is one of the many, many guys in Met history who you'll remember as, yeah, he was all right. Yeah, he's all right. Nothing against him. As far as the Arizona Diamondbacks are concerned, they feature two, two former New York Mets, Paul Seawald and Tommy Pham. Paul Seawald's a guy who developed, obviously, after his time with the Mets. In Tommy Pham's case, same thing. Like, yeah, he was fine. Less so than Canada because he was here for a shorter period of time. Tommy Pham, Pete, is going to be most known as the guy in the athletic article who said that this is the least hardworking team of position players he's ever worked with. That's what he's going to be known for. Right. Well, but that's why it's going to be some people are going to hate him and root against him because if they don't like his statements and think that it was a negative and then he, you know, the, some people don't like when the uh, the curtain gets pulled back and the information gets out. Some people are very against that. So I think some Mets fans will say, F you, Tommy Pham. Do you say F you, Tommy Pham? No, I'm not in his fantasy football league, so I'm okay. <laughs> That's the key. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys I, I look at, I don't hate him for making that comment. Like, he was interviewed in an article about the Mets, and... I don't even think that quote was from necessarily him being interviewed more than it is. It's something he had said in the Met locker room. I'm not really sure. I don't know how that kind of stuff is reported and figured out. But I don't have any ill will towards him, even if you don't want to believe everything he had to say. Uh, another guy, and this guy, I don't want to say I'm going to root for him, but I like him and I sort of feel bad for him, is the one former Met on the Miami Marlins, and that's David Robertson. David Robertson was the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the Mets quitting in 2023, when they traded him that night and it was during that rain delay and they didn't use David Robertson to close the game out, we all thought, uh-oh, is he hurt? We later find out they had traded him to the Marlins and it was sh shocking, stunning. 
I had lost my mind. We recorded a very angry Rico Bronia, I think. Did we record a Rico Bronia that night? I forgot. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we recorded one for that one. I think that's what we, we were able <laughs> to get one in there because it came yeah. in early enough time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I know I was on delay with that game. Like I was really, really confused when I then turned over after the game was over. I had finished it and my phone had blown up with a million messages about David Robertson. Uh, David Robertson was a great New York Met for the period of time he was here. David Robertson did something that was not easy. He replaced Edwin Diaz, and he did it. I'd almost give him an A- minus for it. Like, nobody can replace, replace Edwin Diaz, but considering he was the high-leverage reliever for the New York Mets, the closer, if you will, he was marvelous. He wasn't perfect, but he was damn good. And the trading of Robertson was the ultimate indicator of this is going to be really tough to win games. They trade him to Miami. Obviously, we'll see what the kids turn out to. And he's been terrible there. Like, he goes to Miami. He's pitching to a 5 ERA. He's not even their closer. Like, he could come in and get some big outs in the seventh inning, but he is not the guy they thought they were trading for. So it feels like we sucked out every bit of David Robertson in the first half of 2023, that by the time we traded his sorry ass to Miami, he didn't have much left. So I actually have a lot of compassion for David Robertson. It feels like he left it all for us, and now there's nothing left for Miami, which sucks for the Marlins, but it is what it is. Well, it's funny, too, because you talk about David Robertson, who actually really wanted to stay here. He did not want to go. And I maybe that's a factor, too, of why he's being not as – pitching as as well as he normally does in, in Miami because he just wants to be home. He wants to be with the Mets, and which he will return <laughs> in 2024. Lock it up. <laughs> I think he will too, by the way. The question is, is he going to be the first half David Robertson with the Mets, or are we going to see a continuation of the aging and old David Robertson with Miami? In the American League, the Baltimore Orioles – feature one former New York Met. They also feature a former New York Yankee, but they feature one prominent former New York Met, a guy that we could not stand a year ago, a guy that we couldn't wait to see get traded away. He has seen his batting average go up by 27 points. He has seen his on-base percentage go up by 12 points. He has seen his slugging percentage go by up 100 points, and he's doubled his home run total from a year ago, and he only played in eight more games. He missed a lot of time again this year. James McCann, ladies and gentlemen. So instead of hitting 195, he's hitting 222. Instead of hitting three home runs, he hits six home runs. Instead of an OPS of 538, he had an OPS of 646. Here's the difference, though. Big, big difference. Why he's not hated in Baltimore. Because he was the backup. Because their starting catcher, the guy who plays most of the time, is a freaking stud in Adley Rutschman. So kind of like if James McCann was brought here to be the backup catcher for a superstar Francisco Alvarez, we wouldn't give a crap that he hit 195 or we'd say, ah, he's a backup. What do you expect? But he came here with years and money and expectations and the role of being an everyday catcher. So sometimes in life and sometimes in baseball, it's about the expectations. And in the case of James McCann, the expectations we had for him are far different than the expectations the Orioles had for him. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Minnesota Twins, well, they sort of feature a former Met. Do you remember that time Carlos Correa was about to sign with the New York Mets? Do you remember that one? That was fun. Didn't exactly work out. Now he's in Minnesota. Do you find yourself rooting against Carlos Correa? I know a lot of Mets fans have. I've heard that. Have you rooted against Carlos Correa this season? Uh, I not during the regular season because he really hasn't had that great of a season, so it's kind of like whatever. But for playoff purposes, yes, <coughs> I, I I am rooting against him. I do not want to see him hold up a trophy. I I'm not rooting against him. Like you know what I think? I I I feel bad saying what I'm about to say. I care more about his ability to stay healthy than I would him performing at a high level this year in the postseason for Minnesota. He obviously didn't have a very good regular season. Um, I mean, it wasn't, no, it wasn't good. I can't spin it. Like, if he was here hitting 230 with 18 home runs, we'd be killing him, especially for the money he was making. So he didn't have a good regular season. Like, that didn't happen. No, he didn't. But when they play, when he played the Mets, he happened to have a nice series. Well, what, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Oh, it's annoying. It's like, dude, like, are you trying to, you know, shove it up or you know what? It's like saying, hey, I could have done this for you. I just think that the decision, the final verdict on Carlos Correa is going to be more determined by his ability to stay healthy over the length of not just this contract, because this is a shorter contract to end up signing, but staying healthy eight years from now. Like eight years from now, when Carlos Correa is 37 years old, is he still playing Major League Baseball at a high level? Also. He had a terrible regular season. If he was a Met this year, it's not like it would have helped us. <laughs> you know, it's not as if it would have led the Mets to the playoffs. So he can go out with his great postseason numbers and lead the Twins to a championship. They were already off the snide in terms of consecutive losses in their postseason history, which was an ungodly amount. But I don't think him leading the Twins to the World Series would cause any bitterness from me. Maybe, maybe some Met fans disagree. Maybe the majority of Met fans disagree. But I think that the final determining factor on Correa is going to be more, is he healthy six years from now? And because in regular season play, he was terrible this year, and that wouldn't help the Mets. The Texas Rangers, well, their injured list is filled with former New York Mets. We all know about Jacob DeGrom, who is 100% not going to pitch. We know about Max Scherzer, who is likely not to pitch, but he hasn't been ruled out out for the postseason so could he pitch I guess it's possible I can't honestly if I had to guess I don't think he will like I'd be surprised if Max Scherzer's out there and if he is what can he do is he a reliever you know is he a guy that can start if he starts how many innings can he go 
And the other guy, the other former Met, was a guy I really liked until the Mets got rid of him. Travis Jankowski, the great Travis Jankowski, is on the Texas Rangers. The Blue Jays have Chris Bassett. Um, the ending with Bassett was so bad. You know what I mean? Like, because the 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 final memory of Chris Bassett is two bad starts in the biggest spot, and then the comments that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I forget, I, I don't even remember the comments. Wasn't it like, ah, New York's tough, they're not fair, something he like that? He it, said it, it's amazing how quick things turn was basically what it was. A couple of bad starts that they turn on you so quick. Yeah, he which had, is true. He, 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 but right, but listen, here's the thing is, and he admitted it basically saying that the, he had some, I don't know what, if it was an ailment, but he was battling something. I forgot what his quote was or tweet, basically admitting that he had something wrong the last week or so, a couple of weeks or so of the, of the season going into the playoffs. But he was a guy who picked the ball every fifth day. Like, he yes. was Mr. Reliable. So it's like we're going to crap on him for the last two starts of the season where if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, and Chris Bass is one of those guys where if he's on the Mets in 2023, they're a lot better off because he takes the baseball every five days. His wife is in labor, and he still takes the baseball and says, don't worry, I'll get to my wife and the baby when I'm done, which is what he did to the Mets when the Mets played the Blue Jays back in June. Uh, I don't have ill will towards Chris Bassett, but there's there's a caveat here. If he's pitching a winner-take-all game three in the American League wildcard series, I don't want him pitching well. I don't. Because it would bother me that he's doing something for Toronto that he couldn't do for us. Like, did he take the baseball every five days for the Mets? Absolutely. He did it for Toronto. Great. He's a bulldog. He was a fine regular season pitcher. But if he's sitting there in almost the same situation, a game three, a winner take all, and he goes out and he doesn't crap the bed, that would annoy me. So I got no will will towards Chris Bassett. I just can't have him doing something that he couldn't do for us. There is no former Met on Tampa Bay, whatever. They're the most boring team in Major League history. And then you got the Astros. Rafael Montero, and Justin Verlander. So, Justin Verlander was never a New York Met. That's how I view it. He was not a Met. Like, it's almost this weird dream we had that Justin Verlander was a Met. Because ultimately, unlike all the other mercenaries that have played for the Mets, or in my case, the Nets, or in some case, the Jets, I don't even, like, care about Justin Verlander. Like, he's irrelevant. He came here. He was here. He missed a month. It was a big deal. Not his fault. He got hurt. Pitched reasonably well, though he did crap the bet against Atlanta, and then just followed Max out the door, and it appears we got a pretty good return for him. And it's like, ah, was he ever a Met? I have no emotional ties to Justin Verlander. So, I can't tell you I'm sitting there rooting for him to crap the bed in the postseason for the Astros because he didn't crap in the bed for us. It's not like he sucked in the playoffs for us. He never got a chance to pitch in the playoffs for us. So I look at Verlander, and very differently than Max Scherzer, I'm indifferent towards Verlander in the postseason. I'm trying to think of another like trade deadline acquisition the Mets made that basically was here for like two months, didn't work out. Whether we had him, we went to the playoffs, or we missed the playoffs, whatever. But that's what that's exactly what Verlander felt. Like, it just happened to be in the beginning of the season when we had him, and then we traded him away. 
that's all it was. I'm going to give you, it is not a perfect equivalent, but I'm going to give you a guy that no Met fan of our age, because you got to be about 37, 38 or older to remember this guy with the Mets. If you're younger than that, you may know about him, but you didn't experience it. Um, Hall of Famer, tremendous player, was certainly not a bad Met, was not a great Met, but was not a bad Met, and I think we're indifferent to him. And he was on some bad teams. But nobody says his name. They say other people's name. They say Bobby Bonilla's name. They say Brett Saberhagen's name. They won't say this guy's name. And that person is Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray was a Met for two full seasons. He signed a two-year contract, never traded him away. So it wasn't as short as Verlander, obviously. He spent two years here. And I think when you think of Eddie Murray, you almost forget he was a Met. Like, he had stops after the Mets. He played until he was 41 years old. He went to Cleveland. He went back to Baltimore. It ended in Anaheim and L.A. Before he was with the Mets, he was with the Dodgers, obviously, a long time with the Orioles. And here are his numbers. He went out and played every game. 261, 16 home runs, 93 RBIs, 759 OPS. Following year, 285, 27 home runs, 100 RBIs, 792 OPS, and then he was gone. And that was it. And he was on two of the worst teams in the history of the franchise. Worst team money could buy 92. And then 1993, the team that lost over 100 games. And I don't think like he's as attached to that team as others are. And he's a Hall of Famer. And it's like, oh, yeah, he happened to be on the Mets for about five minutes. And I think Verlander, not a perfect comparison, is kind of like that. So are you going to root against Verlander when he's pitching in the postseason? Um... <coughs> Yes, but not because it's Verlander. <laughs> yes, but not because it's Verlander. Does that make sense? Because it's the Astros. Yes. I don't okay, want well the that, Astros win. That, that's different. Now, let's get to that. We've gone through all the players. <laughs> let's get to the teams. I personally don't dislike the Houston Astros. I don't. I think that what they've been able to do is prove that the cheating scandal, it's over. Like, they went out with newer players. There's a lot of guys on this team that was not on the team in 2017. They're obviously not using the sign-stealing mechanisms that they used in 17. And in my eyes, probably used in 19. And they've backed it up by winning a pennant in 2021, by winning a championship in 2022. I'm in awe of the Houston Astros. And they've changed everything. There's a different general manager. There's a different manager. Like, everything about them has changed. And yet they still go out there and they win. And I think a part of why I'm rooting for them, twofold. Number one, thank you. I want to thank the Houston Astros. They've done a lot for us. They really have. Don't look confused, Pete. You hate the New York Yankees. And all they've done is torture (laughs) the New York Yankees. You can't say thank you? I don't really want to, no, because I still dislike the whole cheating stuff. But you're right. In, in that sense of the word, yes. So I would love to thank you, Houston Astros, for making the Yankees' lives a living hell. Didn't they vindicate themselves from the cheating scandal? Don't you think? Don't you think yeah, they vindicated still, themselves? Yeah, but they're still schmucks. I, I don't know. I just, I, I just don't feel good about it. <laughs> well, they are going to face the winner of the Toronto-Minnesota series. Um, the Twins are the opposite of the Astros in that we thank the Astros for everything they did against the Yankees. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins got bitch-slapped by the Yankees year after year after year after year. 
Okay, so I think with the American League, and I'm starting with them because I think it's easier in a way. Not even easier. It's just it's less intense. It's more your personal preference on teams you want to root for. All of us are very different. I think I'd rather see the Minnesota Twins go on a run. Why, you ask? I think it's because in 1991, when they played that classic World Series against Atlanta, that was really the first World Series I remember. I don't remember 1990. I, obviously, I know what happened, but I don't remember it. I don't remember watching any of those games. 1991 is the first World Series I remember. So I think back to Kirby Puckett in a game-winning home run in Game 6. Kirby Puckett making that leaping catch in center field. The series being a home-home affair. The Metrodome being just like loud as hell and obviously maybe the greatest Game 7 in the history of baseball. So I'm more partial to them. Now, the Blue Jays won the second World Series, I remember. So it's funny. These two teams are like my childhood in terms of seeing teams win. Obviously, the Blue Jays won in back-to-back years, 92-93. But I think I look at the Twins, and they're just a non-offensive, cute, cuddly little toy. You know, they got beaten up for many, many years. They had this incredible losing streak of games, really ever since Johan Santana won a game against the Yankees in game one of the 0-4 ALDS. That was the last time the Twins beat them. So I get it. This one could go either way. I lean towards Minnesota in terms of rooting interest. And then upon that, I'd love to see the Astros beat either team. Like if Toronto beat him, I wouldn't be upset. But Astros, Twins, Blue Jays, which of those three teams would I rather see in the American League Championship Series? I mean, is it even close? No. Give me the Astros. Smoke these two bastards. You're nuts. First of all, I will, <laughs> I will say this. For the Minnesota Twins, the the reason why anyone should hope they win the World Series is because it'll be a fluke. There's never going to be a dynasty. We're not going to have to worry about this. Oh, the Minnesota Twins dynasty from 2023 to 2033. It's never going to happen. So for that, I understand the respect. Yes, let the let the Twins go further, deeper in the playoffs, get into the World Series. But personally speaking. No, I, I don't like Carlos Correa. I feel like I don't want to see him go off and win another title because I think that he still could have benefited the Mets. Even though he had a bad season, I think life is different. You, you know, it's like that um, well, sliding doors syndrome, right? <laughs> he slid the wrong door. He went the wrong path. If he went to the Mets, he would have had a great season and they would have been in the, in the World Series. So let me get this straight. You're rooting against Carlos Correa, the former Astro who could have been a Met, but you're rooting for George Springer, the former Astro that could have been a Met. <laughs> I'm rooting for Chris, I'm rooting for Chris Bassett, but I'm I really but really what I am rooting for is and this is where I take the other aspects of it. I do like the Blue Jays players. Like I like Vlad Jr. Like I'm a fan of him. Bichette is awesome like you go up and down this uh, even freaking kirk the, the fat little troll he's like awesome i love this team i Who love, doesn't love alejandro kirk he's a lovable I, teddy bear he I, really is I, I look at minnesota toronto and i same thing with texas tampa bay tweedledee tweedledum like it's not appealing to me the only two teams in the american league that are appealing are the Baltimore Orioles and the Houston Astros. And I would love to see that American League Championship Series. And ultimately, I'd root for the Orioles. Like, I, I, I don't dislike the Astros the way you do. My partial 
feelings towards the Orioles is the fact that I lived in Baltimore. I didn't live in Baltimore. I lived in Maryland. I lived in a place called Silver Spring, Maryland, about 35 minutes away from Baltimore for three years. And I loved going to that ballpark. And I loved going to that stadium. And at that time, the Orioles were a very non-offensive team. They were a bad team. Like, I'm sitting there watching Melvin Mora and Larry Bigby. You know what I mean? Like, it was, they were bad. (laughs) They weren't very good. And every time I'd go to Oriole Park, I'd marvel at the stadium, and there would be as many fans of the opposing team as there would be the Orioles. And it didn't matter who they were playing. They could play the White Sox on a Tuesday night, and there'd be 5,000 White Sox fans at Oriole Park. I think it is a gem of a stadium, and I like them. So that's a partial thing. That's why with the American League, a lot of it is just how you feel. You like Alejandro Kirk? Fine, root for the Blue Jays. I do want Tampa out. I think they do it with mirrors. I think they're a very just unexciting team. And any postseason game at Tropicana Field doesn't feel like a postseason game. And I tweeted about this the other day. They should move every Rays home game out of that monstrosity of a ballpark. Send it anywhere. Send it to Olympic Stadium in Montreal, Canada. But get it the hell out of Tampa Bay. So I would love, I'm rooting for an Orioles-Astros ALCS. I prefer the Orioles. I'm good with the Astros. You're rooting for ultimately in the American League whom? Oh, wait, first of all, question. Yeah. You want the Texas Rangers to beat the Tampa Bay Rays? Yes. 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 Even though they have the mercenary piece of crap on their team? He's not pitching. Oh, okay. He's sitting there. He's, but he's there. I don't care. He's part of their their aura now. He's giving them... If Max Scherzer never pitches for the Rangers, like never does, can't cannot pitch in the postseason, and they won the World Series, would it bother you? Yes. He didn't even pitch. He didn't do He's anything. There. He's there. Ev. Come on. All right. So ultimately, let's just put it this way: it, it to me, <laughs> the ultimate series would be the Blue Jays against Baltimore. I would love to see that. I'm going to go Blue Jays, though. I want Blue Jays in the World Series. I have. Okay. I, I like that more. Baltimore, to me, they're really good right now, but I just don't, for some reason, believe in this team as much, even though they played well. And I feel like they may be building in the future to be a pain in the ass for a long time. All right. Let's get to the National League, because that's where it's fun, because <laughs> we hate everybody. So, yeah, you know, the American League are also, ah, I don't mind this team. I like this team. Uh, oh, I lived in you know, Baltimore for a few years. Like, obviously, it's the lamest reasons known to man. Now let's get to the National League. Let's start with the Who Cares series, Milwaukee, Arizona. Um, I think I'm rooting for the Brewers, and I'm not sure why. Because Milwaukee succeeding doesn't do anything for David Stearns. You know, uh, Joe, Joe Beningo and I disagree fundamentally about David Stearns. He thinks he's just a geek. I don't want this guy. What does he ever want? He does the whatever is he won card, very similar to Billy Bean. And what I say to him is, look, he hasn't won a championship, but he's built good teams. He's had sustained success. And that means something. If the Brewers win the World Series... In 2023, is that changing our argument? Like, well, they did win a World Series now. He has put the pelts on the wall, even if he isn't currently with the team. He built the team. The answer is not really. Now, the selfish nature of this, and this is going to be a common thought in people's mind, is, well, what if the Brewers win the World Series or they get knocked out immediately? How does that impact Craig Council? I don't think it does. 
I got to tell you, I don't think it does. Craig Council has not signed a contract extension. Do you think his decision to stay or leave Milwaukee is going to be affected by what happens here? Like they get knocked out in the first round, he's going to want to come back. They win the World Series, he's going to want. I don't think it makes any difference. I think if he wants to leave, he's going to leave. No, well, I, I, I disagree with you. If they win a World Series, if they win a World Series, I feel like it's easier if because if he doesn't want to be a baseball, if he wants to take a break, because that's that's something that we talked about uh, right. a couple of podcasts ago. If he has the urge to come back, maybe it would be to stay with Milwaukee rather than just go to the Mets. Rather than start fresh somewhere else, maybe he wants to try to quote unquote build a dynasty. I I don't know his freaking motivation. So if they win a World Series, I think that definitely affects Craig Council's decision on if he stays with Milwaukee or not, depending on if he wants to be in baseball next year. How does it impact? Wait, so you're saying if they win the World Series, he's more likely to take the year off? No, he's more likely more likely to stay. If more he, likely if, to stay, it's less likely he'll be a Met if he they win a World Series. And the story, regardless, because either he's taken off a of baseball, or if he comes back, he's going to be he wants to stay with Noel. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Asa McMahon wrote us an email, longtime listener from Ithaca, New York. With the season long over, I want to root for the Brewers and the Orioles. The Orioles are his grandfather's team to make a long run in the postseason. My question is, what if the Brewers won the World Series? How do you think it affects the Mets' managerial search? I know you're a history buff, but maybe there's a prior precedent of a manager leaving for another job following a World Series victory. Interesting. Um, I think I recall Dusty Baker. It's not winning the World Series, but Dusty Baker leaving the Giants after 2002 when they won the National League pennant and then managing the Chicago Cubs one year later. That's winning the pennant, though. That's not winning a World Series. Winning a World Series and then not managing the team the following year. Yeah, they usually stay on. Like that, that, that's usually the, the thing. Either they retire, which is still rare, or they stay on. I'm not even on. counting that one because, yeah, like that makes sense. But I'm trying to think of a manager leaving after winning the World Series. All right. I'm going to think about this. Can you Google that, by the way, Pete? What if we Google it? Do you think the answer will come up? <laughs> I'm not sure. As far as the Diamondbacks are concerned, I mean, the least offensive National League team. So for all the other National League teams that we don't like for a myriad of reasons, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Miami, Los Angeles, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers are two franchises taking away the debate on Craig Council and how it impacts him. Those two teams we don't dislike. Like, I can't imagine any Met fan who dislikes the Brewers or the Diamondbacks. We've had our battles with both of those teams in the past. Obviously, Arizona back in 1999 in the NLDS. But if our overwhelming hatred towards those other teams exists, and they do for me, I would be thrilled with either the Diamondbacks or the Brewers getting to the the World Series. That's why when the seeding broke down the way it did, I was disappointed. Because I would rather have... Arizona against the team I don't like, let's say Philadelphia, and Milwaukee against the team I don't like, let's say Miami. And that came very close to happening. And then to me, it would have been pretty straightforward for all of us. Instead, you got Diamondbacks Brewers, which who cares who wins? Like we may watch the series, but does it matter who wins? Then you get to Miami, Philadelphia. 
This pisses me off because I hate both franchises. And we went over our long history with the Marlins, them sticking it to us in 2007, sticking it to us in 2008. The fact that the Marlins are like blaming the Mets for the rain delay issues from a week ago. Go F yourself. I mean, like, screw the Marlins. And there are 55 fans that decided to invade City Field late last week. So I don't like the Marlins. I, mean, I don't know how you can. The stupid art structure in the outfield. is Everything about the Marlins is obnoxious. But then you have the Phillies. They're the effing Phillies. And those fans who I respect. Like, here's the weird thing about the Phillies. And this is the only National League fan base I'll say this about. I won't say it about those scumbags down in Atlanta. I won't say it about the L.A. fans. I can't stand them either. I respect the Philly fan. I really do. They get very loud at Citizens Bank Park. They're very similar to us. They're a passionate fan base. Now, they've gotten a little softer. The whole, let's cheer Trey Turner when he sucks. Yeah, whatever. But for the most part, if you kind of peel that part away, Philly is like us, except they win more. (laughs) Except they win a lot more. But I respect their fans. With that said, let's go Marlins. With all that said, let's go Marlins. Because the Philly fan, when they win, much like us, get very, very obnoxious. We don't get to hear the end of it. So at least if the Marlins can knock them off, we just eliminate the Philly. We don't have to hear about them ever again. But here's the problem with all this. The winner faces the Braves. And the Braves are like the devil's team. Like, if the devil exists, and maybe he does, I don't know. If the devil exists, he'd be a Brave fan. They are a dirty, disgusting franchise. So, have we entered the world where we root for anybody over the Atlanta Braves? Like, Met fans, last year, I admit this, I rooted for the Phillies against the Braves when they played each other in the NLDS. No, I take that back. I rooted for the Braves over the Phillies. What did I just say? I rooted for the Braves over the Phillies. I couldn't stand the Phillies, the city of Philadelphia, all that. I said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and my friend was Atlanta. And obviously, the Phillies beat the Braves, so it didn't exactly work out. And so I thought, hey, the joke's on all of us. We were in this great pennant race with Atlanta, and then ultimately, we both got knocked out early. Like, misery loves company. So I rooted. Wait, I'm confusing myself. What the hell did I root for last year? I rooted for the Braves. But after they lost, I rationalized that, hey, misery loves company. I'm losing my mind. I I hate these two teams so much. I get confused. This year, what the hell are we supposed to root for? The juggernaut Braves to move on to the National League Championship Series or for the Phillies to go on another miracle run? That's why we have to root for the Marlins. Because if the Marlins beat the Phillies and the Marlins beat the Braves, we can look at it and say, ah, you know what? What a joke this whole thing is. That's the Marlins. They got hot like they always do. 1997, 2003, whatever. Like, I will live more peaceful in my world with the Braves and the Phillies gone out of the NLCS than, like, the Marlins being there is whatever. So let me, let me just try to frame this the right way. And we can all fight amongst ourselves. In the power ranking of teams I'd prefer to see from that side of the bracket, in the National League Championship Series, I'd go Miami number one. God damn it. I can't decide between the Braves and Phillies. I confuse myself. The Braves number two and the Phillies number three. 
And I, I think the reason why I lean towards the Braves, I can't see these stinking fans get excited again. These Philly fights. You know what? Screw it. I'm taking the, the Phillies over the Braves. I can't decide. I can't decide between these two freaking franchises. Pete, who the hell would you root for between the Braves and the Phillies? All right, I, I, oh, I hate you. Make a decision so I can go follow it. I will go Phillies, and it's based off of I like Zach Wheeler. I don't like many of the guys on the Braves. Like I just don't like them. Like Acuna Jr. is a special player, but I don't like Marcelo Zuna. Right? Like Marcelo Zuna is a piece of shit. So there you go. That's easier to not like him. I don't like Travis Darno playing well. I do. I do kind of like Trey Turner a ton. I like um, Bryce Harper a little bit. There's some guys I actually like. So I think that instance, it's more about the players I can appreciate. And I say, you know what? You you deserve a championship. But by the I way, don't like the Braves ever. If we broke it down by players, I'd agree with you. The players would make it easier. I find the Braves to be more douchey than the Phillies. So I'd agree with you on that. I, I really, I go back and forth on this. I think that's the way I felt last year too. But, so but I will tell you, my, I, I, hold on. But, but I'll tell you this yeah. much: if this was years ago, if this was the two thousand seven, two thousand eight Phillies, I'd say f that. I don't want to see them anywhere close oh, to a, a. So it's it's it, that's that's what it comes down to. It's about right now the the, the team itself. <laughs> I don't like the Phillies. I never will. But I can live with this Philly squad. All right, I've made a final decision. I disagree. I'm rooting for the Braves because <laughs> I, this is it. Final call. Here's why. It's the toilet bowl theory. It's why when the Yankees play the Phillies or the Braves in the World Series, I would ultimately root for the Phillies or the Braves. I don't want to live in a town where the Yankees won a World Series and I got to deal with them every single day. The Phillies geographically are closer to us. Our boss is a Philly guy. No matter what he says, our boss is a Philly guy. We have to live with a Philly guy every single day. And even if he's not openly rooting for the Phillies or even claiming to be a Philly fan, there are people like us who work or know Philly fans more so than they know Brave fans. Atlanta, Georgia is like another world. It's like another country. Remember when they tried to be their own country? <laughs> that was 160 years ago, but you know what I mean. Um, so I'm going to root for the Atlanta Braves. Just get the Phillies out of here. Just get them the F out. I don't want to deal with their fans. I don't want to deal with Philadelphia having any success. And I don't want to risk the fact that the Phillies could get to the World Series. Like, I don't want that. Now, we've already dealt with the Phillies and Braves being in the last two World Series, which is just mind-numbing that we've had to deal with that. All right, so we sorted through that. On the other side of the bracket, it's really about who the hell can knock off one of these Eastern Division bastards. So it's the Dodgers. You know, as flawed as the Dodgers are pitching-wise, though Clayton Kershaw is healthy and ready to go, uh, it's them. And the Dodgers being in a World Series, something we haven't seen since 2020. Obviously, they were in 2018. They were in 2017. They've won plenty of pennants. Get them back in. It's been a while. It's been a while since we saw Clayton Kershaw crap in the bed in the postseason. Like, we need that in the World Series, that is. So, I look, would I prefer to see the Brewers or the Diamondbacks in the World Series? Sure. If you told me right now Milwaukee's in the World Series or Arizona's in the World Series, sign me up. But I don't think that's realistic. So I think, unfortunately, we got to hitch our wagons to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I don't like the Dodgers. 
But my dislike for them is far less than my dislike for the Atlanta Braves or for the Philadelphia Phillies. If they played the Marlins, if it was Dodgers-Marlins, I could talk myself into saying, you know what? Let the Marlins go on a fluky run. I think I could talk myself into that. But then again, that's probably a really bad idea. Because think about this. 2019, Nationals in the World Series. 2021, Braves in the World Series. 2022, Phillies in the World Series. Could you imagine if we are living in a world in which every team in the National League East has been in a World Series in the last four years or five years? That'd be crazy. So, no. yeah, I, I that would actually kill me, especially since we were <laughs> in the playoffs last year with 101 wins and we missed by that much. I, I could not deal with that. But I will say this much. I... I the safest World Series is the one that you're missing all, all like like Baltimore, Miami, but not Baltimore, Miami. Baltimore, Arizona, or like like Blue Jays, Arizona is so safe. Why do we want to skip over Arizona? No, no, Arizona or Milwaukee is fine. They are the preferred teams to get out of the National League. That's why I said at the top, it's annoying that they're playing each other. I, I wish they were separated on the bracket so we could sit back and have a relaxing. <laughs> National League Championship Series, but we're going to be stressed because there's going to be a National League Eastern Division team in the NLCS. There just is, because the entire bracket is Philadelphia, Miami, Atlanta. One of those three teams is going to the National League Championship Series. So ultimately, I am rooting for an Orioles-Brewers or an Orioles-Diamondbacks World Series. That's what I'm rooting for. By the way, did you find the result on any... World right. Series winning manager. So I'm backed up to 1980 right now. And so far, I have not seen one who left after, not even retired after that year. Like they've all come back at later points in times or whatever the case is. Um, it is weird though. I've seen many managers win a World Series and they, the year after they get fired. So like in like, you know, like um, who is it? Uh, uh, hold on one second. I got. Dallas Green won in Philadelphia in 1980. In 1980, 1981 was his last season with the Phillies. Right. I mean, you've got the Billy Martin thing with the Yankees where Billy Martin got fired in the middle of a season after winning the World Series, and then Don Lemon took over and they won the World Series again. So I, I Bob Lemon, not Don Lemon, by the way. I think I said Don Lemon. Bob Lemon, my apologies. Um, see, the Yankees may have done it. You know, Casey Stengel, after they lost the World Series, that happened. Yeah, it it, it just doesn't happen very often. It's a oh, very wait, rare wait, thing. Wait, I think I found something. Dick Williams. Dick Williams, 1973, won the World Series with the Athletics. Yes. And then, the he Mets, went to the, and then he went to the California Angels the next year. There you go. Here's your and, answer. Dick Williams. Yeah, and Alvin Dark won it as the manager of the uh, A's in 1974. There it is. In the midst of the dynasty, the Oakland Athletics had Dick Will. And, and I'm curious what the backstory was about that. Because we know the backstory behind Craig Council. He just maybe it's time is up. You know, what caused Dick Williams to leave? I'm going to look that up now. Because now I'm curious. <laughs> Dick Williams. <laughs> hey, listen, Ace asked the question. We're trying to give that answer, man. We're trying to figure it out. It's a, it, here's the point. It's a rare thing. It doesn't happen very often. In 1973, with Williams back for an unprecedented third straight campaign, the A's again contested winning the division title. Uh, Williams had a surprise for 
tired of the owner's meddling and upset by Finley's public humiliation of second baseman Mike Andrews for his fielding miscues during the World Series, he resigned. Wow. How about that? Immediately, George Steinbrenner hired him as manager. However, Finley protested that Williams owned Oakland, owed Oakland the final year of his contract and could not manage anywhere else. And so eventually Steinbrenner hired someone else. Williams was the first manager in A's franchise history to leave the team with a winning record after running it for two full seasons. Uh, Dick Williams began the 74 season out of work, but when the Angels struggled under their manager, Bobby Winkles, team owner Gene Autry received Finley's permission to negotiate with Williams, and in midseason, he was back in a big league dugout. So it took the craziness of Charlie Finley for a manager to not have just won a World Series, back-to-back World Series, but Dick Williams was so fed up with the meddling of Finley, he resigns, Yankees try to hire him, Finley says no, then gives the Angels permission to hire him in the middle of the season. Boy, baseball in the 70s was wacky. Wacky. So, Asa, here's the point. It's rare. (laughs) It takes weird circumstances for it to occur. Eric from Philly writes, Evan and Pete, big Met fan living in Philadelphia. I can't help but fear that we're headed for another Phillies, Braves, NLDS. The only team I hate more than those two would be the Yankees. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about them winning this year. I feel dirty rooting for the Braves, but I think I have to, right? Philly fans are insufferable to begin with, and it gets much worse when transplants hop on the bandwagon. To make matters worse, I have to be around Eagle fans as they run through the NFC East and continuously embarrass the Giants. Is it better to root for the Braves to put me out of direct misery and risk them going on to win the whole thing? Or do I root for the Phillies and hope like a team such as the Dodgers take them out before the World Series? It's a lose-lose situation, but what else is new? We're Met fans. Thanks for taking my call. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, Eric, he described it. I I am with you. We have to root for the Braves. We have to get the Phillies out. Don't want to deal with them. And Eric deals with them certainly more than I do. It's about the fans. Like the tiebreaker in this is you can't deal with those people. Philadelphia fans. You can't have them have success. They were just in the World Series. Waxing poetic about Bryce Harper's home run in the National League Championship Series. So I think it's straightforward that we all have to hold our nose, and it's not easy, and we have got to root for the Braves. But but hold on though, like one last thing about this because they got to slow your roll. The Braves will win the World Series if they keep on getting further. Like the Phillies are going to find a way to screw it up, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get your logic. Your <laughs> logic is, hey, the Braves are the best team in baseball. Pick them off early. It's best of five. Get them out. I'm not worried about the Phillies. They'll lose in the NLCS anyway. But that means we have to deal with them existing longer. Like, they win the DS, so they get a best of seven series, and we have another week and a half when we have to deal with them. Finally, Jeff Cohen writes, I'm hoping for a Twins-Diamondbacks World Series. It would be a big screw you to Rob Manfred for playing the World Series in November. (laughs) It is a very late World Series. Though, remember, in Arizona, no big deal. He has a dome. Minnesota's a problem. (laughs) If you're looking for weather issues, if that's your role here, then it's Twins Phillies. That's it. Because remember, weather's fine in LA. 
Arizona's got a dome. Milwaukee's got a dome. Miami's got a dome. The Braves are in Georgia. So the Phillies are the only National League team that could supply you with the really crappy weather. In the American League, it's kind of the same thing. It's just Minnesota. Toronto's got a dome. Tampa's got, oh, Baltimore too. Baltimore can supply you with bad weather as well. Orioles, Twins, Phillies, if you're looking for bad weather. I'm usually uh, a historical guy. Like, I like the World Series rematches that always get me very hot and bothered. You don't have a lot of sexy, historical World Series rematches. You got Phillies, Orioles. They did play in 1983. You got that. You've got, obviously, the Astros have played so many teams, so you've got a lot of recent rematches. The rematch of last year, Astros, Phillies. The rematch of 21, Astros, Braves. The rematch of 17, the Astros against the Dodgers. You do have that. Um, obviously, Blue the Brewers Jays. have not been. We'll say that one more time. Blue Jays and uh, Braves. Like and, and Phillies. And Phillies. You got Blue Jays, yeah. Braves rematch. Blue Jays, Phillies rematch. You've got, I mean, there's actually a lot. Braves, Twins. But none of them are appealing, is my point. Like, none of those are, <laughs> ooh. That's crazy. Like, of all the World Series that would be out there. I'm trying to think what the oh Dodgers Orioles because you had that in the 60s okay I think that's my that's my answer <laughs> I think my, my most appealing historical World Series is you know Sandy Koufax and Jim Palmer going out a little Orioles Dodgers action I'd be all right with Orioles Dodgers that'd be fun Ray, Ray's Phillies you said too Ray's Phil oh yeah Ray's Phillies jeez I forgot about that revenge the weird one from 2008 Ray's Dodgers. There are a lot of rematches. They're just not that memorable. Like the big memorable one to me would probably be more Orioles, Phillies, or Orioles, Dodgers. What? Who who needs a championship more? Like that. That's one thing that I have to ask because I know, personally speaking, for us, <coughs> New York needs a freaking championship soon. But like Canada hasn't won in a while, so like Toronto, I I lean towards them. In that right, think about this. Think about this, Pete. The Orioles haven't won since 1983, three years before the Mets. The Rays have never won. They've never won a championship. <laughs> Toronto is 1993, so that's only seven years after the Mets. The Minnesota Twins are 1991, which is only five years after the Mets. The Astros, we get it. Texas has never won. So... The American League is filled with a lot of relatively long droughts. In the National League, obviously the Braves a few years ago, the Phillies back in 2008, the Marlins back in 2003. The Brewers have never won a World Series, never. Dodgers 2020, Diamondbacks 01. So the National League doesn't have a lot of droughts, but the American League does. Like outside of the Houston Astros, those are all, you know, relatively long droughts. So somebody, if the Astros get picked off, and they're not in the World Series for the third consecutive year, which in its own right is an incredible accomplishment to get to three consecutive World Series. That's not something to sneeze at. Uh, there are There's somebody that's going to be with an opportunity to break a drought, maybe win their first championship, such as, our, uh, such as Tampa Bay and such as Texas. So keep that in mind as well. So hopefully we helped you out, or at least we guided you to watch this MLB postseason. <laughs> Uh, you can email the pod with any comments or questions to ricob at gmail.com. Coming up over the weekend, we'll conduct our exit interviews over the 2023 season and try to diagnose what the hell happened. 
We appreciate you listening and downloading another edition of Rico Brilliant. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.